You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies, and opinions, direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute, with today's host, real estate strategist, Russell Westcott. Hi, my name is Russell Westcott with the Real Estate Investment Network, and this is Building Real Estate Wealth, The Rain Way the interview series for sharing the -the behind-the-scenes stories for real estate investing success. This interview series is designed to provide you with the detailed insights, strategies, and inspiration to create a lasting legacy of financial independence. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it's time to build your real estate wealth. Today, my special guest is the one and only Jared Hope. As a young man, Jared had it all figured out. All roads led to the NHL and a promising NHL hockey career. But numerous head injuries and concussions derailed that dream, and Jared eventually turned his passions towards real estate. Then once he started to focus on real estate, everything was smooth sailing. Jared wishes that was true. He has an incredible story of building a portfolio, almost losing it all, and rebuilding it back again. And during this interview, he shares all his lessons along his journey. Make sure you listen to the whole interview, especially at the end for Jared's 3H formula for success and how having a good coach on your team can set you up to win. Enjoy this incredible interview with the one, the only, Jared Hope. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Russell Westcott here. And today we have an extra special guest on the show. I am pumped to be talking to a good friend, one of the really good guys, and a bona fide real estate superstar. Mr. Jared Hope. Jared, how are you doing today, brother? Unbelievable today. Is that different than any other day, Jared, for you? No, you know, most days are unbelievable. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, we're very fortunate. That's for sure. So I know we we were chatting just before we got on the line. You were just, you're just back from uh, down in Minnesota and you're down there with your family. Uh, So before we dive into a lot of your story and some of the background, uh, what were you doing down in Minnesota? And uh, maybe we can then set some context for what you've done within this game of real estate. Uh, my son had a hockey tournament, actually. He plays for uh, a team in out of BC. It's uh, HPL. It's called High Performance League. So they have uh, a tournament team that they pick up all these kids out of around BC, and they go play these tournaments. So we had a spring hockey tournament in Minnesota. So the kids, Krista, uh, my wife, and my two kids um, went down to Minnesota for made a little holiday. The tournament was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but we went down Tuesday morning and kind of stuck around and got to see Minneapolis, went to some ball games and just kind of had a good time, made it, made it a holiday. Now, you actually have a, a goal, don't you, of getting to see every ballpark in North America, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I was telling you that the other day. What's one of my one of my to dos? My bucket list, if you will. I don't really have much of a bucket list, but if there is one thing, I'd like to go see every ball diamond uh, in the major leagues. I think that'd be unbelievable. Well, and I know that's. Uh, I think that story is important to set the context for this, is because you do spend the majority of the time with your family. That's the number one thing in your life, is spending time with your family. Now, before we dive into. Um, the uh, meat and potatoes of our our interview. Let's let's have a little bit of context for for you know how long you've been investing in real estate. Maybe the amount of transactions you do, your your niche specialty, if if you will, and how long you've been investing for in real estate. Uh, I started in two thousand and three, um, in November two thousand and three, and so we, we got started because we went to uh, back at that day. 
time it was called a quick start. And I never wanted to go. I had no interest in going. I met uh, Patrick and Stephanie, uh, were Patrick Francie, the owner and CEO of Rain, and Stephanie Hanlon, his wife, were friends of ours. And they they asked us, they told us about this workshop, so we went to it. And and uh, you know, we, and then Chris has signed us up. And it's a funny, it's a story I share all the time. Like I had no interest in signing up. And Krista stayed out on the Sunday for the lunch, uh, the information session at lunch. And I went for lunch with Patrick and I came back and she signed us up and it's just, you know, I share the story all the time. And I talk about how pissed off I was and how upset I was. And, and, uh, because at that time it was a lot of money, it was two, 200 bucks a month for the membership and another $99. So it's $300 for both of us to be involved in. And, uh, yeah, so I was kind of choked because we didn't really have a lot back then. And, and it took me about six months to kind of get my head out of my butt and, and start figuring stuff out. And I went to every meeting. I went to every single meeting for that for those first six months, uh, every month. And, you know, if there's two two meetings a month, I'd be there. Um, you know, I was just kind of taking it all in. I was kind of listening. And, and at first I had my own judgments and my own, uh, you know, my own ideas of what, what it was and how it was being done. And so after about six months, I bought my first house. And that year I ended up buying three houses. So after the, you know, the last half of the year, we, we pulled off three houses and kind of the rest is history from that point on. Cause I, my second year I bought eight and the systems were working and everything that I was learning was actually happening and, you know, it was coming true. And I guess the biggest thing that I learned and I taught myself or we taught ourselves is, is it wasn't really all that hard if we just followed, you know, the plan, I guess. And then the third year we kind of blew up, we bought 68 properties and that was a pretty massive year for us uh, in a lot of ways. And uh, so, yeah, that's my story today. We own a hundred about 149 and uh, uh, you know, what my niche is, is I, I, I stay pretty specific to single family. I like houses with basement suites. Um, I've heard a long time ago uh, by a guy named Terry Pranich, um, you know, you, with a house with a basement suite, you're buying two for the price of one. And I never quite understood what that meant um, until I started having vacancies. And then the best part about a house with a ba- basement suite, for example, is, you know, I'm never going to be 100% vacant or the odds of it are very, very slim. So I'll always be at least half half occupied, which means that half will cover off if most, if not all my payments, which protects my asset and my investment. So I tend to specialize more in the suited houses, but I have... You know, I have dozens of single family homes. I have dozens of uh, duplexes. I don't own any condos. I own uh, two apartment buildings. Um, you know, but I tend to strictly stick with the suited houses. So no condos. Do you, do you want, I can send you over a few if you like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, there's nothing against condos. You know, I, I don't buy them. Um, I've always believed that tenants are going to pay for the utilities anyways. So the, one of the biggest, and they typically mow the lawn. So one of the biggest challenges uh, I, I always mentally went through was why would I, why would I cover that when they're going to cover them themselves? Yeah. There's other aspects of it, you know, the maintenance and you know, the roofs and the windows and it's all one and stuff like that. I get all that, but that was the biggest factor for me. So that just led me to just buying the single family houses. Nice. So 148 properties. Now that also doesn't include probably all the, um, flip projects that you've done at the same time. What do you think your, you had a number about the transactions that you've done in the last 13 years. Yeah, yeah man, I've probably done, well, I know I've done close to 200, but I, I bet you, I, at one point, a little while ago, it was about 179. Um, 
180 transactions. So, but since that time, I've probably done another 10, 15. So I got to be pushing 200 transactions uh, in the last 13-ish years since 2003. Wow. Yeah, that, and that's, that's including all my buy and holds yeah. and includes all my flips. Nice. Now you, so, also, so you know, like I'm, I'm doing a flip, I'm sorry, Russ, I'm oh, doing ahead. a flip a month, you know, so we do a flip a month. And so I'm, you know, I'm actively, actively doing deals. Now you just also just recently shared with me um, something that was quite uh, spectacular. I, I thought was you were sitting down running some numbers with your CFO and you were analyzing about um, your mortgage paydowns and, and accelerating mm-hmm. the mortgage paydowns. And, and you figured that you probably could be, and I'll let you share the, the numbers, but you're, it's quite spectacular. What's in the, within the next decade, what can happen here? Well, yeah. Um, like we, we have, uh, well, our, our portfolio is large, you know, like with that, with the amount of doors we have, our portfolio asset bases, um, total value, we're probably close to $30 million in our portfolio. And one of the, you know, and they were all amortized over 25, 30 years. And I have a couple that were amortized over 40 years because back, you know, 13 years ago, we could do 40 year mortgages. It was unreal. And looking back now, I don't think it was as unreal as, as I did, you know, 10 years ago, but at the time it was pretty amazing. And so now I look at, we're looking at our portfolio saying, you know, we're 38 years old. Uh, my wife's 37 and, you know, I don't want to have these properties still paying mortgages for the next 20 years. So one of the things that we've decided to do is really expedite that process. So uh, the way I figure it is if, if I increase uh, my payments, you know, quite aggressively, we're going to have our portfolio, uh, clear title is the plan in the next 10, well, seven to 10 years, depending on how the flips go. So one of the ways we're doing that is one is we're increasing our monthly payments from our cash flow of our portfolio to buy down the debt. Uh, and then the other way we're doing it is uh, with my CFO, we just set up every flip that we do, 50% of that, those proceeds go to mortgage buy down, uh, 20% go to taxes, and then 30% is going into a savings account. Um, but then that 30%, instead of just putting it into the bank account, we're actually going to, I have a couple houses with lines of credit. So we're actually going to take that 30%, allocate it to a line of credit just to save the interest where if I ever need to draw it, I can easily access that, that money. So that's now our plan. Our plan is to have debt reduction, aggressive debt reduction over the next seven to 10 years. So if you actually really think about it, you, you've constructed a very large, you know, build a business to then spit off cash flow from that business to then take all those proceeds to invest into real estate uh, on a go forward basis from there. So it's eventually with the long-term goal is to have a portfolio of no mortgages on any properties. And by then yeah. the cash flow, you know, you know, will be coming to you and, you know, talking to the Godfather across the way, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny. You say that how, how, what we built, like to be honest, when we started doing this, I had no idea what I was doing. And like, not a clue, you know, I got three and it was pretty easy to manage on my own. And it was pretty easy. And, you know, I was, you know, I was buying the money, I was finding the money relatively easy because I had my own at that time a little bit. And uh, then when we got to, got our second year, we got our eight. So now we're at, you know, 11, 12 kind of thing uh, and growing. Um, you know, we still didn't know what we were doing. We, we didn't know about systems. We didn't know how, we're just figuring it all out and uh, on reporting and tenanting and, um, you know, the tenant, the tenant act and how to buy and how to manage because we still had full-time jobs. And, uh, looking back now, like we're one, we're very fortunate in the, in the, you know, with the situation we're in, 
Uh, and two, we're very fortunate that we we're able to get through, you know, a couple downturns in the economy. And, uh, you know, it's, it was, uh, it's looking back now, Russ, it's, we're very, like, I, for, fortunate is the best word and the only word I can come up with because we, we absolutely are. Well, for not knowing what you're doing, you, you seem to have done okay so so far, Mr. Well, Hope, yeah. And what do they say? Luck well, is when opportunity meets preparedness. So you've been preparing literally for, you know, working your working your tail off hustling seven days a week for the last 13 years. And all of a sudden now you're an overnight success, brother. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny because I, I hear people talk all the time how they want to leave. You know, they want to make, go get these number of doors to go make 5000 or $6,000 or $7,000 a month so they can leave their job. And I had that exact same mindset when I started. And uh, let's, you know, put, put, let's put it in perspective. I, I've been doing this game of real estate since 2003. And to this day, I still do not live off my real estate portfolio. My real estate portfolio fluctuates every single month as far as cash flow. And in a downturn, like we're seeing in Alberta right now, and we saw in 2008-10, you know, there was no cash flow. So if I was living off my cash flow, I'd be really, really hurting. And so I've come to the conclusion that um, you you don't live off your real estate, you retire off of it. And, you know, so now you fast forward, it's 2016 now, and I've been investing for 13 years we're finally in a position with our real estate portfolio that we're okay if the market drops because my mortgages have been bought down so much and we, you know, we've been buying down our debt for so long. So as, as rates or sorry, as rental rates drop, I still have room to go and now I'm protected, but I still don't live off my real estate portfolio. Right now, maybe just a, we'll call a, a little time out here and let's, let's take a step back uh, even further. Now we talked about when you first uh, came out to uh, a quick start program. Now, did you, before that, did you come with, you know, large inheritance and, you know, a silver spoon in your mouth? And, and I think you have a, a pretty cool backstory even further back from that, that I think would add a lot of relevance for people listening on the line. So where were you, you know, when you're, high school-ish, and, and what led you to, to get to that real estate point? Well, I'll even go further back than that. Um, my parents are, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? I don't know if any of the listeners uh, have read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but, you know, one of the dads was a conservative guy who said, go, go get an education, you know, go get a job and get a secure job and get a pension, and that company will take care of you. And then the rich dad said, you know, go take chances and go invest and buy real estate and this and that's right. And my dad was, you know, for lack of a better definition, the, the poor dad. And, you know, so I was taught growing up, you know, school was big and work was big. My dad, and I love my parents. My parents are phenomenal people. And, but dad worked for the government, mom worked for the government and, you know, they have pensions, they're retired and they have a great life. And, you know, they're, they're finally retired at 65, 66 years old. And, um, and they're, you know, they're doing their thing. So growing up as a kid, that's, that's all I knew. And then I got in, you know, I got tied into hockey and, you know, I, I was quite, I, you know, I had quite a good experience in hockey. I, you know, I got drafted and I spent, you know, I got drafted to the Maple Leafs and, you know, I tell everyone I had a cup of coffee there. I ended up going there and I ended up getting a couple of concussions. So when I when I left hockey, I didn't have a ton of money. Um, I, I went and got job. I went and got a job. I worked at Xerox. I sold photocopiers. I did relatively well at that. Went back and tried to play hockey again. And but one of the things I did do is when I when I went to play hockey, I took out an insurance policy 
for my for me for my body in case I ever got hurt. And so when I ended up getting hurt, I ended up cashing in my insurance settlement. And you know, so I started out with a little bit of money. We're not talking, you know, lots. Um, I started out with you know 100 grand, 150 grand. I started out with. And I used that money to buy my first 11, 12 properties. And, you know, at that time when I was buying the real estate, things were different than they are now. Like I, I say that, so I share that story often with people and then people go up to their mortgage broker and then they say they want to do this because they heard this guy did that. Lots of things have changed in the last 13 years. You know, back in 2003, you could walk into the bank and the bank would just, you know, you, you were breathing and you, you drove here. So here's your mortgage kind of thing, right? Whereas nowadays it's a little bit different. So, you know, so my, my, my upbringing, my background is, you know, I had a very conservative father. And in fact, that when we, when Krista and I started building our real estate portfolio, and we had this, this idea after six months of going to the meetings, we actually sat down with my parents and I brought a, an old, a white, uh, a flip chart, a white page flip chart and a stand and a marker. And I kind of mapped out my plan to my dad. And my mom, and at that time, both my parents told Chris and I that we were crazy and that we shouldn't do it and we shouldn't invest in real estate because it's too much risk. And I, you know, I, I walked away from that with a, a lot of respect for my dad because, and my mom, because, you know, one, they didn't, they don't, they saw things that I've never seen before. I've never seen 16, 18, 19, 20% interest. They have. And, you know, my dad was, was, was raised at a time where, you know, they were sharing clothes and they were fighting for food at the table. So his mentality was a little bit different. So his advice, his advice was very good. So that was, that's my upbringing. And that's kind of how we got started in real estate. You know, so it's not like I'm some rocket business mind. Uh, I was just a guy who kind of muscled through life and hockey and, and sports. And one thing that we are, my wife and I, Krista, are we're really quick learners. So if we get hit once, I'm moving. I might get hit again, but third time I won't get hit because I'll absolutely be out of the way. So we quickly adjusted our our path with every experience that we saw. Wow. Yeah, and I, I you said so many great things there. And one of the things that you said is, and I, I firmly believe one of the reasons why you're such an amazing real estate coach is because you're you're very coachable yourself. And that's usually a sign actually have a good coach is somebody who isn't so stuck in their dogma that they can learn and they, they actually invest in themselves and then they they share all that incredible wisdom with, with other people. So Yeah, you know it's funny. Sorry, no, go ahead, please. please. Coach, just on the coaching topic, you know, like my third year, you know, our third year, I don't want to say mine like I did it. I, I couldn't have done anything if like what we've done if it weren't for Krista on the back end doing a lot of the support. And, you know, like our third year when we came into rain, like we had aspirations of getting a hundred properties and that was, that was absolutely on my list. And that was an egotistical, that was a pure ego goal looking back at it now. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I'd do that again, but on, uh, in that third year, I knew what I wanted to get. And I knew I couldn't get it on my own. So we actually enlisted, a coach. And, you know, so I approached Don Campbell and literally begged the guy for a long time to coach me. And he, he didn't want to, he kept on saying, no, 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 I got no time. I got no time. And then finally, I think I warmed down enough that uh, him and I started coaching on a weekly basis. Every Wednesday, him and I would do a call at 11 o'clock in the morning for a year. And, you know, that year we bought um, 64 properties in that year and that was a massive year and 
I firmly believe that in, in order to have success, you have to have a coach. You can't do it on your own. And lots of people make mistakes is where they think they can go reinvent the wheel and, you know, and they try to do it on their own and they just make very, very costly mistakes. Yeah. And so I'm a big, I'm a big believer in, in personal development, and co- as you know, personal development and coaching and also giving back and coaching back. Right. So I would think you're just, you're just a hardwired guy of just persistence. It's like, you know, you're going into a corner and either you're coming out with a puck or nobody's leaving with their ankles. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's actually, that's right. With their ankles. Cause I'm not strong enough to, you know, start throwing punches. So I use my stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I tell you what, that's just, that's a, an incredible trait and a characteristic, you know, just that, that, you know, that, do what it takes ethically and legally to make sure you accomplish your goal. And, but don't be afraid to change things along the way. You're, you're, you shared something from stage that would just really struck home is, you know, you sat and you wrote out your, your five-year personal beliefs and you've more than accomplished everything on that list with, you know, cars and boats and all kinds of toys. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, once you arrived there, it just wasn't what you thought it would be. And you just kept, you've kept changing that. And you've now, you've now changed your goal. And maybe you can share people uh, with people a little bit of that uh, process that you've gone through and uh, what's next for you on the horizon. Well, it's funny you say that because we were just, my Chris and I were just talking about, uh, you know, our 13 years ago when we started out in, in this path of real estate and, you know, we're going to tie that path, that start date of, in November of the rain start date. Cause that's kind of what that, you know, we might've been on the path anyways uh, on our own, but getting involved with rain really sped up the process. There's just no doubt about that. So when we started with rain and Don talked about this Belize and, you know, this five-year plan or the Belize or the vision or the mission of, of where we want to get to, whatever you want to call it, but you know, we're going to use Don's terminology of the Belize. When we did that, it was all material stuff. You know, it was about, I wanted a Porsche and I wanted this, and I wanted a trailer and I wanted trips and, you know, the smell of the beach and the, the feeling of the sand between our feet and all that stuff. And, uh, and five years later, we looked back and, and we achieved, you know, you know, probably, probably 95% of the stuff that we set out to accomplish. So we re, re, we did another one. And so we did another one and, and by the time the second one comes due, we have kids. And, and we, once again, we achieve most of the stuff, you know, probably 95% of the stuff we set out to achieve again. And then we do another one. And our third one is totally different than the first two. And what, I, what I've come to realize is life isn't about material stuff. You know, I've had dozens of cars and I've had boats and I've had trips and we've done all that stuff. And what it all comes back to is, who I'm being with my family and how I'm being with my family. And, you know, if I'm being that guy who's always on my phone and, you know, always busy and never engaging with my kids, you know, it's not, I could have anything I want. I could have any car I want, or I can have anything like that, but it's who I'm being that matters the most to the ones I love. And, you know, over the, over the last few years, I've come to really realize that, you know, that's most, that's the most important thing because at the end of the day, stuff stuff and i have no attachment to stuff and i i, I can get rid of my car or my truck anytime and i'll be fine but I, I don't want to get rid of my kids some days for sure i do but <laughs> yeah, at thank, the end of the day th- I, thankfully you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know but at the end of the day they're phenomenal kids and you know so our new vision right now is not so much a five-year vision but it's a life vision now 
of who we want to be in our lives and in our kids' lives. And one of the things Chris and I've committed to is being actively involved in our kids' lives. So, you know, so now I'm a full-time parent and I'm a part-time real estate investor. Um, you know, I, I might spend more hours sometimes doing real estate. I'm still very focused and driven to do that. I run, you know, I have three companies that I run and, but it's now it's all structured and I don't, you know, like when we go to Minnesota, you know, like we all go, when we go, uh, to the, you know, boat on a weekend, we all go, um, you know, this morning, Chris and I walked the kids to school and we walked down to the coffee shop, got a coffee, walked to the lake and we sat on a bench having our coffee and we sat there and talked for an hour and a half. So like, it's very important that our vision now is about defining who we are as people, because that's the impact that we're going to have on our kids. And so that's kind of our new, that's our new vision now. It's not a five-year term. It's a life term now. Wow. That's a very highly evolved um, conversation that you've had there. And you've done that over. Yeah. I, I've, I've just seen since you, since you started, I've seen how much you've changed so much, Jared. It's like when you talked about that first six months in rain, I think we were around at the same time. Yeah. You were in the back of the room, you had the ball cap on and you were just, yeah. you were sitting there arms crossed and I, I could feel the daggers coming from your eyes yeah. <laughs> on stage of things. But um, you know, to get to that highly evolved point, I'm a firm believer that sometimes we either get an inspiration moment or a desperation moment that, that takes yeah. us there. Uh, what would be the, the case for you, Jared? Was there a moment that something oh, transpired or happened or, or tell us you about know, that? It was, I would say it was desperation followed by inspiration. So in 2000, uh, you know, it's tough because in, in 2011, I started doing lots of presenting around rain, you know, so I started getting, you know, I don't, maybe heavily involved, not, not the right word, but for my level of involvement going from nothing to lots, um, I started getting involved in rain a lot and I started doing more presenting and speaking and, 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 uh, you know, it just kind of became in my world. Now this is my views of it. None of it's the truth. It's just my view of it. And, you know, so what happened is in my world, I just became, I, I'm a very ego guy and, you know, I, 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 I bought my first car, my, my, not my first car, but one of my first high end cars was a Porsche. And I, I did that purely out of ego. Just, I wanted to do it and I wanted to kind of show everyone that I could do it, which is all the wrong reasons to do stuff. And I, but I didn't know that then, you know, I was young, right. I was a young guy. I was 24 years old. I was, you know, I was, when we started out and, you know, by the time I was 28, I had multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. I was doing, tens of thousands of dollars a month in rent. By the time I was, um, you know, 28, I was doing 150-ish thousand dollars a month in, in revenue from my portfolio at a $20 million real estate portfolio. It was just, it was just you know, I, I had no personal growth to support my financial growth, which led me to a bad, an egotistical path. And so in 2011, as I started doing some presentations, I was just, it was just fueling my ego because I have, I have this ego, I have this voice in my head that kind of wants me to be in the spotlight all the time. And uh, so in 2014, after about four years of uh, living in my, my head, if you will, yeah, I started drinking a little bit and, you know, I started drinking a little bit more and then I'd go on I'd go on the road, for example, and do a, a talk at uh, rain. And once again, I'm not, there's no, there's no blame being passed on to rain. It's just stuff, stuff I was going through because I just didn't, I didn't know any different. 
And uh, so what, what was happening is it was actually taking me away from my path. It was taking me away from my beliefs, which I didn't know that at the time, but I wanted to spend time with my family and wanted to, you know, be that dad and that husband and do all that stuff. But my ego was pulling me to this other way. And uh, so in 2014, um, December 3rd, I went out and got lit, just drunk and like really, really bad. And I drove home that night and it was, it was awful. And I woke up the next morning and I'm like, you know what? And I never drove home. I always took cabs and all that stuff. And, and uh, I drove home and I woke up the next morning and I'm like, okay, that's, that's not going to happen again. And it's funny. Cause I, I sit there with, with the kids and we're having breakfast, my wife and the kids and uh, my daughter, she's like, dad. Right? So I was telling Chris, I'm like, you know what? I'm, like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to take a month off. You know, I'm not going to drink for a month. I said, and then my daughter, Kenzie's like, dad, just do it for a year. And I'm like, you know what? Done. I'm going to do it for a year. And, and to be honest, I had no intentions of honoring that commitment. And it was just, it was just a, a lie, if you will, that I, that I just said to kind of appease my daughter. And to be honest, I didn't think she'd remember. So then a couple of nights later, we're out for dinner and, you know, I, we, Chris is like, you want to get some wine for dinner? And my daughter's like, no, you said you'd do a year. So that started on December 4th. Um, so I took a year off drinking. And it, in that year, Russell, it was, it was unbelievable the stuff, you know, we went through, you know, lots changed, you know, just from cutting that out. Cause now you're making, you know, we were forced, Krista did it too. We both, we both stopped it. Um, you know what? And I went, you know, I don't believe I had a drinking problem. I went to some meetings and stuff and I don't believe I had a drinking problem. It was a pure emotional problem. And, you know, so I kind of got away from who I wanted to be and started living this way of who I thought others wanted me to be because I was living in my ego. And so in the last two years, we've gone back to the basics. We have, we've gone back and got coaching. Uh, we, we have a, a regular coach we meet with uh, twice a week, sometimes once a week. Um, we have started coaching others. Um, we got back to who we want to be in our life, not verse, not living how other people want us to live in their lives. And that was the biggest thing. So to answer your question, I kind of took this change of path out of desperation because I was going down a path that, you know, there's just no end for me unless I hit that bottom. Yeah. Like I smashed my head on the bottom quite hard for a number of number of months before I came out of it. But that December 3rd day was just the icing on the cake. Wow. It's, it's amazing how sometimes, um, you know, you have to go through things and some people, some people look at those as just absolutely devastating. You actually use that as, as a springboard to fuel going forward. And you know what, interesting you, and you probably would agree to this. I imagine your, since you started doing that work on yourself and your family and getting grounded back to the priorities of, of life, your business has done better since that, that time has it not. Well, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, here's a great example of what, uh, you know, uh, I was about to swear, but what a bad, what a bad, what a bad human being I was being, you know, like I would go up on stage, for example, and at, at rain. And, you know, I remember sitting down with Patrick all the time and he's like, Oh, I hope or you, got, you got, can't be so condescending on stage. And I used to really believe that I never was condescending and, you know, and maybe I didn't know what the word meant. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Or maybe I wasn't able to look at my own skin uh, or look at not my own skin, but look at me from someone else's eyes. Right. And, 
so when I, when in December after in December, 2014, when I kind of literally do a, you know, about face and do a 180 and start going another direction. Um, now my, people that come up to me, every single presentation that I do, everyone, after every presentation, someone will come up to me and say, Oh my God, that was amazing. And you have changed. And in particular, I was in Calgary a few months ago doing a presentation. Some lady, you know, I'm done and I'm, and there's a little, quite a bit of people we're talking to, but this one lady in specific, she's just standing there waiting and waiting and waiting until everyone's gone. And I talked to her afterwards and she's like, I just wanted to come up to you and tell you that six years ago, I thought you were the biggest ass ever. And I thought you were arrogant. I thought you were all this stuff. And she's like, I didn't like you. And she's like, I'm coming up to you now to tell you that you are a huge inspiration to me and what you, how you're being now is, is unbelievable. She's like, I want you to know that I see that you're different. And like it almost like she almost made me cry. And like, I, I got goosebumps on my arm. My arm hairs are standing up now just sharing that story. But that's just, you know, so now when I'm up on stage and you've seen me wrestle, there's lots of times I'm up on stage. I'm just a, before I go on stage, I'm a nervous wreck. I get really emotional now before I go up on stage. Because what's shifted for me now is I'm not at all trying to hide anything like I was before. I used to go up on stage and feel I'm only going to give little tidbits of information because this is mine. I, I worked hard to do this. I've, it's cost me you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this education. So I'm not going to share it all because I want business from it. So I'm just going to give little tidbits. So people come back and ask me more. They ask me to do it. That's how I make my money uh, because of my management company. But that didn't work because, you know, that, that model just doesn't work at all in general with the universe and energy. And if, whether you believe it or not, I, I do. And I just don't believe that works. So ever since December 2014, you know, our business is really, you know, I don't want to say exploded. It's a, con a controlled explosion. Um, but more importantly, when I'm up on stage, like I give everything I know. And there's lots of times where I'll be doing a presentation, I have an idea that comes to me and I just share the idea because I'm truly committed to giving everything I have at every given time to every single person I'm talking to. I want to impact. I want everyone to be living a limitless life with an open heart. That's, that's my calling in life. That's my mission in life. And in order for me to do that, I have to be able to give everything that I know and everything that I have to people. And so that's my biggest, the biggest shift, which is directly impacted our business model right and you live that literally top to bottom throughout the entire thing and work on yourself which then impacts your business which impacts every person that yeah. comes in contact with your business and also your real estate your properties at the same time yeah you know like russ i used to i used to have a, a philosophy or not even a philosophy a belief of i never used to care what people thought you know if someone walked away and you know and Krista, my wife, for example, said, yeah, you, you know, you shouldn't have said that because this person thought that I, my, my response was, I don't care. Like they either like me or they don't. That was, I lived my whole life like that. You either like me or you don't. And, uh, you know, that's not really a good way to live. And, you know, so now my, you know, my philosophy on life is I want everyone to like me. I get, I get there'll be situations where people just don't, and that's totally fine, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to come from that place of arrogance or ego of running a conversation or driving, driving home a point or driving a conversation or, or uh, anything like that. So the more authentic I am, the more real I am, you, you know, 
it, it actually impacts my kids first and foremost, and then my wife, and then people outside of my immediate circle. Nice. So, so just a couple of final questions here before we wrap up. But first of all, just just thank you for for sharing that. And you know, it's amazing how sometimes people don't sh- publicly share those challenging times and those challenging moments and going through, you know, as you said, you hit your head on rock bottom a few times and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've got a few dents on mine uh, as well to, 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 to prove that too. But it just, of you sharing that is, has been very, um, very inspirational. So a couple of final questions here. Um, number one is what, what's next for Jared Hope and what do you need help with right now, my friend? Oh, what's next? That's a good question, man. You know, I don't know. You know, I I do know. um, Like, I'm, I can't even stress the importance right now for me as a dad to be a dad. And, you know, right now, I just, I, I give everything I got into my kids. And, you know, we're, we're, we set up a good business model. We have great staff. Uh, you know, they've been with me for a long time and, and, uh, I'm really supported well. And, you know, I don't need anything, you know, and I'm the type of guy, Russ, that if I needed it, I'd for sure ask for, it. um, you know, one thing I'd like to do to, is I, I would like to have, I would like to support as many people as I possibly can to have the, the, you know, the success in real estate or not even just real estate, but the success in life that Chris and I are having right now without actually going through all the bumps and bruises that we've gone through. And, uh, you know, if there's any way I could, I could do that for people, that would be the most impactful for me. Nice. So, you know, if you can figure out a way for me to do that, then I'm all for it. Um, but as far as, you know, what I need, I'm, I'm pretty good right now. Well, I think, uh, you know, sharing this message with the world will be a, will be a good starting point as well. Uh, what do you, well, you know, I, th- I think, I think, I think people also have to, you know, not be afraid to share their failures too. Right. And, you know, there's lessons to be learned in every success for sure, but there's also more lessons to be learned in every failure. So, you know, just, just cause I hit bottom or you have some stories about bottom, dude, we all have stories about bottom. Everyone does. Uh, it's just the society that we roll in doesn't, it doesn't make it, it's not safe to share those stories, but there's the big lessons for success come from those stories. So I'd encourage people to start sharing that stuff a little bit more. Yeah. I had once, somebody once told me when I told them, they go, "Yo, man, I'm just at the end of my rope. And the person looked at me and they go, well, just let go of that rope and grab another one. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, uh, true. so Jared, what, uh, what are you excited about right now in your life? Ah, uh, you know, well, uh, on a personal note, I'm excited that we're in Kelowna and summer is like right here. So, uh, you know, boating season's here and hockey, spring hockey's over. So school's done. Uh, so we're going to, you know, the next probably eight to 12 weeks are really going to, we're going to dive deep into our family and uh, just really hanging out and just doing some really cool, fun stuff. So that's on a personal note. That's uh, that's on that side, but what were you going to say, Russ? No, do you, do you get Wi-Fi on the boat that you'd be able to connect or, you, yeah. or do you turn off? Do you turn off when you're on the no. boat? No, you know, like Chris and I, it's funny, uh, when the kids are in school, we'll drop the kids off at school and we'll go sit on the boat for, you know, probably from nine to nine to two, nine to two thirty with our phone and laptop and, you know, sunscreen and, you know, we'll get the odd surf in or water ski and, you know, we'll work, you know, whatever, whatever to do, whatever degree that means. And, uh, but when we're, when we're with the kids, it's just tunes are going and, you know, we're in the boat and lunch and 
swimming and surfing and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. So that's on the personal side. Um, what am I looking forward to on the work side? You know, LLR is uh, Landlord Resource Center, my property management company. It's, you know, it's a good company and we're constantly tweaking it. And uh, we we're hiring uh, our 14th, 15th people this year. And so, you know, that that's super exciting, but really probably the thing that I like most is the flips, uh, my turnkey houses. You know, we've done probably 50, 55 of them in the last four or five years. And uh, the success that we're getting, uh, not my personal success, but the success my clients are getting um, from buying them, it's uh, it's awesome. And just seeing the success that, you know, clients are getting from buying properties that, you know, have not just short-term success, but long-term plan and planning for success is uh, is super, super, you know, energetic and and uh empowering it's so it's just awesome it's awesome to watch so those are the two things you know from a personal standpoint and a business standpoint nice. that i'm pretty jazzed about for sure right on so you still love the you still love the art of the deal don't you oh russ listen you know me better than most and i love negotiating deals and i love talking to clients and i love you know i love buying my own houses and my realtors know that i love negotiating back and forth and it's not trying to win. It's just because it, before I used to love buying houses just to get the house and just to get the deal, just to score the goal. And whereas now what I like, what I like about doing my, the way I do the deals is I just, I love giving the seller what it is that they want. Obviously it has to fit what I want, but I love going back and forth trying to find what that, what that tipping point is for them that gets them what they want and gives me what I want, which is the house and that asset and gets them out of, you know, a bad situation or gets them out of a, you know, a bad memory or a, a debt or whatever, whatever it is. For them. And, uh, but I love the art of the deal. I love the deal. Right on. And I'll tell you what, once that, that passion and excitement wanes, there'll probably be something else that you'll do at the same time, right? You know, there'll always be some deal, yeah. you know, there's always, you know, whether I'm buying a car or, you know, buying a couch or uh, negotiating a new contract for my cell phone, which I just did last week. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, I just like it. I like people. I like talking to people. I like socializing, you know, and it's, it's totally different now because before Russ, I was doing it all purely to win. And, uh, and now it's just, you know, it's, it's not, that, that's the furthest thing from my mind. If I don't get it, I don't get it. That's cool. And I'm totally okay with it. Right on. Final question here, Jared. So I'm just yeah. going to paint the picture here for you, if you will. Okay, so you, you walk into this room. This this room is, you know, freshly cu- uh, painted with your favorite color that you paint all your rental suites, which are all standardized. No windows in this room, and there's two chairs that are sitting in this room. And in one of the chairs sitting there is this, this uh, good-looking young man. He's 18 years old. And there's another chair right across from him uh, that's waiting for you to sit down. When you sit down and you're kneecap to kneecap with that 18-year-old gentleman, you realize that that's your 18-year-old self that you're mm-hmm. sitting across. What lessons would you, you know, want to instill in your 18-year-old self? You might have to slap him upside the head once first. Or <laughs> what, what lessons would you like to leave that young gentleman? That's easy. Uh, three H's. Um, I was taught a long, long time ago, which I forgot when I turned about 18 to 30, maybe 34. I forgot about these three H's. 
And those three H's are what I would define the secrets or the keys to success, whether it's in sports, in family, in work, it doesn't really matter. Three H's. First H is hard work. You got to have hard work in everything you do. And, you know, I watch my son who's eight years old play hockey and, you know, he's inconsistent and sometimes he works hard. Sometimes he doesn't, he's eight, you know, he hasn't figured it out yet, but I keep on pounding into Grady that you have to have hard work. You have to have hard work every single shift to build trust in the coach to put you out in key situations. If you're not out in key situations, it's a direct reflection of you're not working hard. So hard work. The second H is heads up. You have to have heads up, you know, whether it's you're going into the corner, you got a puck or you're building a business and, you know, you got to foresee something that's coming and you always have to have heads up. And the third H, which is probably the most important H is you got to be humble because you can have all the success in the world, which I have had multiple times. And if you're not humble, you know, the, the ruins are just ahead. If you're not humble, your your head's not up. You might be working hard, but your last one's going to cloud your second one, which is going to create a disaster, which is kind of what I stumbled into. If I was sitting with myself at 18 years old, I would remind that version of me, heads up, or hard work, heads up, and make sure you're humble. And, and then probably the third thing is quickly learn from your mistakes. Don't make the mistake, the same mistake twice. Uh, and if you do make the same mistake twice, make sure it's a different version of the mistake. And then the third time, it just won't happen. Nice. Well, Jared, you know what? I just wanted to, um, firstly, before we do sign off here quickly, I just wanted to acknowledge you um, for everything that you've you've gone through and your, your vulnerability to share. But more importantly, um, when you say you're going to help somebody, you help somebody. You, the best analogy I would say is, you know, if we both went to a workshop and I was in the coffee shop and I spilled some coffee on my shirt, you'd be Jared would be sitting there taking his shirt off and trying to give give a shirt off his back to me. You you truly live helping other human beings, and I just wanted to acknowledge and just how grateful I am for everything you've personally helped me with, and also all the people who have come in touch with you within the last you know many years and how much you've inspired them. So I just wanted to really thank you for that. You know, I, rest, I, I, I absolutely appreciate that. And, you know, my whole thing is I truly, truly, truly want people to live limitless lives. And however I, however I can serve them, I'll do it. And I, I don't think I'd necessarily give you the shirt off my back because I don't quite have the body I used to have when I was 18. And, uh, I, but I'd for sure go buy you a shirt. Right. So. <laughs> Uh, awesome. So, Jared, uh, where 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 are you hanging out these days? On on do you have a, a website, social media, Facebook? Where where do where would people yeah. connect with you? Yeah. So we just redid our website, llrcanada.com. So we have a brand new platform, uh, comment page, blogs. Uh, you can you can follow us on uh, our flips and our all the renovations we're doing. Uh, Facebook, uh, LLR Canada, Twitter. We're constantly tw- tweeting every single day. Uh, you know, which is LLR Canada as well. Um, you know, so those three places are the best things to do it. You can always call the office or email the office at info at LLRCanada.com and the office will help you out. Or if you have a question for me, you can throw it to the office and they'll, they'll direct it my way. But, you know, social media nowadays is the big thing, right? So we're constantly hammering social media. Nice. 
So what a wonderful last message. I love that lesson you gave to your 18-year-old self. Hard work, heads up, humble, and I guess the last, we can actually throw another H in there for, for Hoper, for Jared Hope. Yeah, there's always hope. <laughs> there's, always there's always hope. hope. So Jared, <laughs> thank you for your time today. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Russell Westcott signing off. And until the next episode, bye for now. You've just listened to the latest Building Real Estate Wealth episode. And on behalf of the entire team at the Real Estate Investment Network, I wanted to thank you for your time. Feel free to share this episode with a family member or a friend and help inspire somebody in your life. If you're feeling inspired and moved by this amazing story and would like to author your very own real estate success story, I would like to invite you to take the next steps that are right for you. If you're not sure where to start, the following three steps will set you up on the pathway to success. First, Use a real estate investing system that has been tested in all market conditions. Next, make sure you surround yourself with like-minded investors. And finally, take some action. A membership within the Rain family will help you accomplish all three and put you firmly on the pathway to success. You can always go to raincanada.com or you can call 1-888-824-7346 to make sure that this is a fit for you or if you have any questions. Once again, thank you for your time and we look forward to helping you author your real estate success stories.